Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer, your host today, and I'm joined by Paul Ghost. How are we, Paul? Yeah, all good. I am looking forward to the real footy starting again tomorrow. I think I said that on Monday, didn't I? But it has been a long couple of weeks, so the real footy is back tomorrow. Yeah, I can't wait. Theo, how are you? Theo Squires? I'm good too. I echo Gorsi's sentiments. Good yeah. to have real football back. Uh, seems like quite a few Liverpool players have come back without injuries as well, which makes a, a nice change. So just raring to go again, aren't we? Yeah, I just, I mean, I know we discussed it on the last pod at length, but I cannot stand the international break. Yeah. I, I'd have someone put me to sleep on the Monday after the, the, the game before the international break and just wake me up tomorrow morning cryogenically freeze me you should just start taking all these start annual leave during the international breaks no but I don't even want to experience it in any way Gorsi it's not just working here I just don't want to sit through it, it just, it's just I don't mind the summer but the international break yeah it's that it does, I mean it, it does feel like obviously speaking with our Liverpool hats on but it does feel like the, there's loads doesn't it like just, there's, one, there's one next month isn't there they just never stop and they're, they're yeah. yeah and and, and I don't know, other than Ian Doyle, find me someone who's interested. Find me someone who's interested, because... Theo, maybe. Theo, yeah. Do you enjoy them? Do you enjoy them? As an England fan, do you, do you, do you sit there and go, ah, oh, there's two, two games. Yeah, I didn't watch any of the, the friendly, I didn't watch any of the qualifiers. Yeah. I only watch them when it's national finals, every yeah. two years. That's yeah. about as much as the stomach. Yeah, it's... Um, it's hard going, but we, we won't bore podcast mm. listeners with any more international talk. We will talk about the real stuff, and the real stuff sort of gets underway today, doesn't it, with the press <coughs> conference. Gorsi, yeah. Theo, you were both there. Um, sort of up and down clock, but I'd say he was pretty upbeat throughout, really. In the main, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of bad injury news, but a little bit of good injury news. Um, talk us through it, Gorsi. Yeah, so obviously we've seen pictures of Thiago, didn't we, at the AXA yesterday and, and Trent, and one or two murmurs that maybe they're ahead of schedule, but doesn't seem that way. Klopp said... Trent wasn't a serious one before the break, and he kind of reiterated that mm. today. So that doesn't seem as if it's too bad. Uh, wouldn't expect him to feature against uh, Lask next week, maybe uh, West Ham for him. Canate is back. Uh, that's that's a big thing. He's been he's trained twice this week, yeah. and that's normally the rule for Klopp, isn't it? Once you get two sessions with the first team under your belt, then you're yeah. considered for you know the game. So. Uh, he might start tomorrow. Nunes, he didn't seem too worried on that and didn't even really seem to know that, that Gerald Conza was taken out of the final half <laughs> of England either. So it um, doesn't sound like that's anything to worry about either. So, yeah, all in all, I think it was a, a pretty positive update on the injury front. He seemed to be 
quite enthusiastic about Ryan Gravenberch and generally most things apart from being asked right at the end wasn't he about the, the 12 yeah. kickoffs which Liverpool have a pretty poor recent record yeah. from and he wasn't too happy that they've obviously been given the slot again given that he had players like Alexis McAllister who were playing as he called it in the in the breakout section in the mountains in Bolivia yeah. Um, yeah. and he only got back this morning was it this morning? Yes, four, uh, yeah, yesterday morning. Four, four o'clock in the morning? Yeah. yeah. One, one was 4am, the other was 9am. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, that's not ideal. But generally, I think Liverpool are coming into this one in, in decent nick. Yeah, I mean, it, Theo, there seems to be... I mean, look, his mood could change if the form changes, mm-hmm. let's face it, and, and Liverpool have started the season well. But there seemed to be a bounce about Klopp again. You know, he talked, didn't he, about how I'm treating it like year one, and this is a new team, and... Yeah, to be fair, I think that was probably one of the, the most positive and the most forward-thinking things I've heard Klopp say for the, the past year or so. Because, let's face it, after the final in Paris, there was a bit of a hangover at Liverpool. Yeah, it yeah. rolled into last season, and last season, from everyone's point of view, was a slog. But what, what do you think? Do you, feel like, do you feel like there's a buoyancy around the club again, around the, the manager? It feels like it, doesn't it? Like It's a very fresh, younger team. Like it's the start of that journey again, and... That's why Jurgen Klopp signed his new contract in the first place yeah. to get into this stage of it. So it's not just handing the keys over to the next manager. It's so he's overseeing that step. Uh, last year it was a bit of a, a transition, wasn't it? Yeah. You had players that probably overstayed their welcome a little bit. Um, well, they didn't all move on. We've seen quite a few of them go in the summer, and it's just exciting when you're seeing Sabosla come in and make an impact straight away. Yeah. McAllister's done a really good job yeah. coming in. Um, Graben Birch seems to have got them excited behind the scenes yeah. as well. Like, this is what they want to see. They want to see Curtis Jones stepping up and yeah. being a first team regular. They want to see Pesetic come from the academy and Harvey Elliott, Harvey Elliott, yeah. Mendo, all these players come through. That's the excitement in it. Like they've won everything with the greatest team, Liverpool team of our generation that we've seen. But they're more excited about well, what comes next. Mm-hmm. Can we go better again? And while it's steps one, you don't really know what they're going to achieve this year. At the moment, if you want to base it off four games, they're the second, third best team in the league. So I think this is only step one. This is what they're doing now. What are they going to do when those players who are now 21, 22, 23, when they're actually hitting the peak of their powers? Because when the last Liverpool side were hitting the peak of the powers, they were champions of England, champions of Europe and champions of the world. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's quite a lot to unpick from this press conference, I thought. Yeah. Probably the best yeah, yeah. one in, in a while. And, and um, you know, different bits and pieces. Let's start with Gravenberch, as, as Theo said then. Klopp seemed very enthusiastic about this player. It feels like this is somebody who Jürgen Klopp wants to work with for a little yeah. while now. Yeah. He's been tracking him since he was 18 at Ajax. Um, this feels like someone that yeah, the, the manager is really excited to work with and to, to see him play. Yeah, it's funny when you, when you speak to, to people at the club, when you sign players, and sometimes they'll say, we've had that eye on this fella since, yeah. since he was a teenager or since he was... Minamino's the one who kind of jumps <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. You know, Liverpool were supposedly tracking him in his days at Cherio Osaka in, in yeah. Japan. I probably butchered the pronunciation there, but ultimately we just kind of just felt that they discovered the release clause at Salzburg and brought him in. But get the feeling with Gravenberts that, you know, when, when they say those types of things, that they're not just embellishing. You know, we, this is a lad who played against Liverpool three years ago in the Champions League, home and away, and mm-hmm. was a real emerging prospect of, of Dutch football. and me and Theo were just saying there on the way back from the press conference, if he doesn't have that year at Bayern Munich where he doesn't really get in the team and he's just coming to Liverpool this summer from Ajax, you're looking at it thinking, oh, what a player this lad's going to be. And You know, Klopp said in the the, uh, the breakout section, just me and a handful of other reporters, that um, <clears throat> it's not really, a, he's not arriving at Liverpool 
on a massive downer, you know, that not really getting in the team at Bayern Munich is no major slight and that's something that can happen to anyone. It's just part of a young player's career yeah. and development. So yeah. I think in the long term, they've got massive hopes for him. I, I think, I don't really think there's an idea of where he might play at the moment. I think they think he's a good player, just get him in yeah. and they'll, they'll yeah. build, you know, position for him, whether that's long term as a number six, as a number eight, and Klopp even suggested he can play as a number 10. So, yeah, he seems massively enthusiastic about working with them, and I think he's already, you know, made the good call to snug the twenty ones and basically get his off the field stuff in order. You know, buying a car, buying a house, or renting a house, whatever he's doing, and um, having a good solid couple of weeks of training in his in his new surroundings. Because you know, we only signed on the, the Friday. We were here a couple of weeks back when we doing a deadline day podcast. He only signed then, and you know, had he gone. On international duty, a couple of days later, he, he would have only got back yesterday or whatever, and you know that is just such a kind of whirlwind couple yeah. of weeks. So he's probably taking the right decision for himself long term, and yeah. I think Liverpool are really, you know, happy about that and what he can bring. And we all like to see Ronald Koeman in a bit of a <laughs> bit of a mood, yeah. don't we? I don't mind that at all. I mean, it, it's a bit of a lazy comparison there, but but there is, it just to me, there's just something of a wine album. You know, also a similar player that they bought from Newcastle recognised that he had great ability but probably didn't buy Wijnaldum from Newcastle thinking we'll play him in a more conservative mm. style you know he was a bit more of an attacker at Newcastle came to Liverpool to be a man who could play in all different roles knitted things together do, do you get that feeling is that that's something they've done with Gravenberg? Potentially yeah like that's what Klopp was saying when he was going through all his attributes he's someone who's good in small spaces he's good in yeah. large spaces He's good at winning the ball back, pressing, yeah. dribbling, passing, yeah. shooting. Sounds like the perfect yeah. footballer, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. This is what you're looking for, and like yeah. you're doing your, your ultimate team. On and he's 21. And he's yeah. 21. Yeah. Like when the, the comparisons were coming out before, probably when Liverpool being linked with him before he went by, and it was, oh, he's going to be like another Paul Pogba or something before it all went a little bit wrong for Paul Pogba. But you can see why those are comparisons there because he's a big lad. He's this powerful midfielder. And it didn't happen for him at Bayern, let's be honest. He only started, I think, five times in Bundesliga and the Champions League this year before he came to Liverpool. Is it, what, nine-minute substitute, actually? Yeah. He hadn't started in pre-season, but that means he's got a point to prove. He'll be itching to go here and just make that point. It's whether he's up to speed to start tomorrow. That's the question there. But he's still got to go and say, yeah, Bayern didn't happen, but this doesn't define me. I can go into a different big club. Like We've seen a few players come from that Ajax Academy in recent years and they've come straight to the Premier League and it's it's not quite happened for them. A few at Manchester United or Everton. So hopefully a different club in the North West with a manager that's definitely wanted this player for a number of years is a better fit. And it just seems that from the conversations they've had behind the scenes that they're all on the same page. Like they've got a clear role for him in mind. He fits with the formation and when he is someone that clearly took Klopp's eye back in what we're talking 2020, 2021 like he was yeah. one of the standout players for them yeah. at Anfield when Liverpool I think won, yeah. 1-0 with Curtis Jones scoring uh, you just want him to build on that um, that was his first taste of Anfield and that's what no fans in that one so he's just going to be excited to get going for Liverpool Football Club properly The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot that feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah, well, just stay, sticking with you, Theo, for just a second. I mean, 
they, sort of, they say styles make fights, don't they, in boxing? And I always think styles make players in terms of the clubs that they play at. And just to take this in a slightly left field uh, direction, but something that you wrote about this week, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that one year buying makes you a bad player. You know, sometimes players go to clubs, they don't quite fit in. You know, Klopp alluded to himself, didn't he, when he said that he didn't really have a place in their midfield in terms of his style of play. And you look at someone like Jaden Sancho, and um, he was brilliant, brilliant at Dortmund, hasn't worked, and, and is currently probably his lowest ever at United. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes to show, doesn't it, I suppose, those two types of players that, you know, it just depends where you fit in and, and how a club uses you and perhaps how someone manages you. Yeah, it's just got to click, hasn't it? You've got to be at the right club at the right time. There's got to be that open in the team. If yeah. you get an early injury or it doesn't work, it's hard to get back in. And I think it, it was tough for Graven Birch when you think the manager who signs him and the sporting director who signs him, they, they both leave within that first year. It was clearly a bit of a civil war at Bayern last year, but those exits were a, a long time coming and behind the scenes. And they're in a bit of a, a transitional period as much as a Bayern Munich side can be because they're still going to win the Bundesliga but it's very much the the old guard there yeah. and it's like how do we replace the Thomas Mullers or the Kimmiches and this yeah. and they still need that immediate success it's not a case of oh we can give Graham Birch uh, a few years to settle in and then gradually get into the team kind of like what Liverpool have been able to do with Besetic granted yeah. that's a bit different because he's been signed through the academy and he's worked his way through but it's like you need that bit of patience and Klopp has shown that he's a very patient manager like there would have been others in Liverpool's history who would have given up on Navigator after a couple of years mm. or given up on Costa Simicas after that first year where he didn't really play in the Premier League but Klopp's obviously very loyal to his players mm. and there seems something in that they want and you'd like to think that it will work for him at Liverpool because he's got all these abilities to play in a further forward position in midfield or as a number six and it's an exciting time when you look at the formation Liverpool are playing as well like if you're putting him in as a deeper midfielder alongside Alexander-Arnold for example whether you go back to your four three three and he's on one side of that, or even if you revert to Klopp's older four two three one from his Dortmund days, mm. it's like you need all that to work together. And going back to what you just said for Sancho, you look at United; he's never had that stability, has he? No. So many managers, so many difficult times for that club, where it's chaos on the pitch, chaos off the pitch. But Liverpool, yeah, they've had a few, well, a couple of dodgy seasons, but it's still been all together. That they're yeah. unified, and that now they're fighting in the right direction. It just seems a much safer place to play your football with a smile on your um, on your face yeah. that's what you'd like to think we're going to get from Graven Birch yeah. I'd like to think that Jaden Sancho if he'd gone to Liverpool would have been a totally different player but moving on from that slightly um, someone he did I think Gorsley give a fascinating answer about was um, was Jordan Henderson yeah, um, yeah. he spoke about the, the interview that Jordan Henderson gave to the Athletic um, mostly about Jordan's reasons for leaving Liverpool mm. and um, saying that he wasn't wanted Um and Klopp said that was the truth. But what I found fascinating about Gorsley was that he spoke about how he was like Jekyll and Hyde when he didn't yeah. when, he, when he didn't yeah, play because yeah. he couldn't couldn't guarantee him a place in the team going forward. It it was best for everyone that he left, and that does that sort of show the difficulties he was facing last season. Perhaps why Klopp wasn't always in the best of moods because you have players like that. You know, James Milner was probably the same. Cater probably wasn't very happy out Oxide Chamberlain. The that weren't in a good headspace, and that probably reflects onto the manager, doesn't it? Maybe, yeah, that, that's a good point. I think, um, I mean, I, I, I get what Klopp is saying in terms of, well, I couldn't guarantee him 50 games a year, and, and Henderson's the type who's 
you know, he's a great guy, but when he's not playing, he's he's not the happiest. And what player is, to be fair, you know, if anyone's happy to be sitting on the bench, you probably question the, the desire and the attitude and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can't, can't really have it both ways. I think every player has a right to be unhappy if they're getting left out, but ultimately it reflects poorly on Henderson that it was a bit of a, okay, you might not be playing every week, but you've still got a chance to mm. be the club captain of Liverpool. We're going to be going for the Europa League further down the line. You're going to be playing loads in that, and there's a chance to to lift that one. And we're going to try and get back on track after a really poor season. It's a bit of a new look team, and players are getting that year. Young, younger players in the squad are getting a year older in their developments. And Henderson's decided that it's not for him, as he's not going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. So um, you know that that's obviously his prerogative and his choice. But uh, I still feel that Liverpool could have had a place in the squad for Jordan Henderson you know the, the James Milner role if you like of filling in as and when he's needed and then maybe back yourself that you're good enough to force a rethink from the manager to the mm. point where okay maybe I've been a bit hasty maybe he's not totally over the hill and there's still um, opportunities for him to start but uh, as it's happened it's panned out the way it has and he's gone to play in a league that's so far below the Premier League it's untrue and that's before you even get into the model issues which you've talked at that length yeah. I'm not really going to go back into those but yeah it was it was interesting when he said there's no bad blood um, don't expect him to, to kind of pan Henderson and don't expect Henderson to, to criticise Klopp either in the interview he gave to The Athletic but mm. uh, I don't think it would have been as cordial as, as it was all made out I think, yeah, you know, this, this I think is very sorry, it felt in the they said no bad blood but a sense of frustration I think with the way it panned out yeah certainly from from uh, well, from both perspective, really. Maybe mm. Henderson thinks after twelve years at the club, was it twelve years? Yeah, twelve years as the club club captain who's won everything. Mm. Maybe deserved more leeway to be starting games. Maybe Klopp's thinking, I'm bringing in Dom's about like and playing your position, who's ten years younger yeah. and you know looks an absolute world beater. You know you're going to have to compete with him now, and and that's just how great teams evolve, isn't it? You know, yeah. Ferguson did it for years. United, Wenger did a few years at Arsenal. It's just how teams evolve, and that is what yeah. what makes great teams good, great. Yeah. You know the fact that you can keep replenishing and, and rebuilding. And for Henderson, he's decided that uh, maybe it wasn't for him. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's a funny situation because you make a good point there, I think, about United and, and, and Arsenal. And Alex Ferguson was obviously very good at going, this guy has gone from being a good influence to a bad influence, move him on. And it, reading what Klopp, sorry, listening to what Klopp said and reading what Henderson said, I got the feeling that maybe within a year and, and going into this year, Henderson had gone from a good influence on the team to perhaps a more negative one. I'm not saying a bad influence. I'm, still, I'm sure he's still trained as well as anyone and... and you know, kept himself in perfect shape. But perhaps if, and players are selfish, aren't they, in the sense that they want to play, perhaps if he was looking to hold others back, like a suppose like coming in, that's not a good thing for Liverpool. Whereas it just feels, 
listen to Klopp today and talk about grabbing Birch and some of the younger players in the team, it, it felt to me like a weight had been lifted a little bit off Liverpool. Maybe, yeah, yeah. It, it, it certainly feels, I mean, it's only early going, but yeah. I think like you touched on earlier, but it just feels like it's a bit of a renewed optimism around the place, a, a new look team with fresh impetus and players who are coming in and they're at earlier stages in the yeah. career, they're hungry and, and they want to they want to kind of make a statement. But just going back, just before I pass the mic to you, Theo, just going back to the kind of Ferguson analogy, mm. you know, you look at the players who he, he moved on, you know, Van Nistelrooy, Yapstam, Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. David Beckham, Every Roy Keane, yeah, yeah, perfect example. Every time they lost one of those, lost lost one of those players, you're looking at it thinking, United might struggle here. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they've lost a big player, and I don't get the sense that Henderson is the same in, in that no, same no. bracket. No, he's not. I, what I find about the Henderson thing, there was like, I look, I read his quotes, and you look at Klopp's, and um, I listened to the Guardian podcast the other day, and they were talking about Henderson and being, and how players are in a bubble, and I, I and I. I thought, like, does Jordan Henderson at the age of 33? 33, actually, in June. 33, having captained Liverpool for 12 years, won everything, seen everything in football, really need his manager and other people at the club to say, Jordan, you're important. I mean, and, and does he also, could he not accept that perhaps, yeah, he's not, he's 33, he's not 23, he's not going to play as much. And that isn't a knock on his abilities, that is just the natural lifespan of a footballer isn't it and and their career and I, and I find that I find it incredibly odd that some play, players struggle to accept that and I'll you know honestly I think going and playing he can go and play 35-40 games for Al Etifak and playing one game for Liverpool this season is better for me than playing 35 games for Al Etifak and I might say that as, as someone who supports Liverpool but I'm sure I'm not the only one who, who would think that way I, I find I find the whole situation very bizarre that someone who's captain Liverpool could could turn like that. I suppose in football, like there's quite an insecurity in there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. Making these young boys millionaires overnight and they're growing up in the media spotlight, being told how great they are, yeah. they're winning everything, they can buy anything they want, and then suddenly the next young thing is coming along and it's taking their place and there's that pressure on them there and yeah. they're not as loved anymore, not yeah. everyone's telling them how great they are, they're actually saying your time's up now you've gone your way out you've got to be very strong mentally to not have that and we see like Cristiano Ronaldo he's probably that perfect example where he doesn't care what you think what you say he is what he is it's one of the things you can actually praise him for and he's got that self-confidence comes across as arrogance but there are others like Henderson where there is that insecurity there Mm -hmm. like Steven Gerrard had that insecurity that's part Mm -hmm. of the reason why he went when he did well granted he was a, a much more gifted player than Henderson so we've got a few more years out of him it feels a bit more different with Liverpool because for this great generation this side they've milked everything out of them haven't they yeah. when, when Fergie was getting rid of players at United it was they've probably got two three years yeah, left in them yeah. but just don't want you we want to yeah. build for the future and it was more about the club whereas Liverpool because it's been 30 years since they won the league it's like we'll celebrate every single one of these players no matter how big or small their contribution was like let's be honest if Firmino and Milner weren't going at the end of last season Cater and uh, Oxley chamberlain probably don't get that nice send-off that they do in front of everyone. It's just because they're going as a, a group. Yeah. But you need to be a bit more mature about it, maybe, for Jordan Henderson. He could have done it a year and said, this isn't for me. Like He would have played yeah. in the Europa League. He would have played in the Premier League games. Like Look how Liverpool started the, the season. He starts that game against Chelsea as the holding midfielder. 
probably starts the next one against Bournemouth because you'd imagine they don't sign Endo if he's yeah. still around. Yeah. But then, oh, if he's maybe a bit stale, he's been at the club 12 years, this is what he's used to and he, he's not happy about it. In Endo, they've signed a player who's now got an opportunity he, he never thought yeah. he'd have. He might be 30, but he is now going to be just happy to be there, yeah. wanting to give his absolute all, as Henderson himself had to do when they were trying to offload him to Fulham back in, what, 2011, whenever yeah. it was. So yeah. it, it does yeah. feel now like it was the time was right for both. Like With hindsight, you can look back and be a bit more ruthless about how they've yeah. done this with the squad. Like They could have got rid of some of these players after winning the Premier League. Because remember, there was that quote after they won the Champions League when Klopp was getting criticised for not signing anyone else. Yeah. And he says, this squad deserves another year. Yeah. They had another year, they won the Premier League, and it's like, oh, the legends down, we can't split them up. Maybe they, they should have moved a few of them on a bit sooner to that. The midfield process should have started yeah. earlier, shouldn't it? You know, I think there should have been maybe some more ruthless decisions. But I think it looks like it's worked out in terms of the way Klopp's body language is. Um, Gorsi, one player who will play tomorrow um, is Joe Gomez. Um, it looks like he'll probably start right back um, with, with Trent being injured. We can talk a bit to him because he, he's obviously had an up and down time at Liverpool, but he's still very young. He's twenty six in terms yeah, of defender. Yeah, um, this is a massive opportunity. Does this feel like his final sort of maybe not his run, final run of games because he's got a season to go and you know? They, but it's his final opportunity to really stake a claim as someone who makes up the future of Liverpool. Is that fair? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, no, I think if you look at it, he's the longest serving player now at Liverpool. And maybe you're looking at it thinking he hasn't been near the levels that he was at three years ago when he was probably the best young centre back in England and he helped Liverpool massively to win the league yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then on the flip side, he's younger than that, Phillips. Yeah. This is the fact that always blows my mind with Joe Gomez. Yeah. Yeah. He's still got so much of his career left to get back to those levels that it's a difficult one to decide sort of where he's at. I think, you know, he played really well against Aston Villa. I think this is a season where he might get more opportunities, you know, just in the team, I guess, you know, at right-back and at centre-back. He's obviously not Trent at right-back, but he's a different sort of right-back, a different kind of full-back. And with, obviously, the likes of Conor Bradley out injured and Calvin Ramsey on loan and whatever else, you know, there, there are opportunities for him there. So I think he will play tomorrow. I think all he has to do, I guess, is just build on what, it, what he did against Villa. You know, just turn in a, a really solid, dependable performance and just continue to build on it because he's, he's probably going to play in Austria as well, isn't he? And then maybe at that point he's played three in a row and he's in really good form and he's still in the team for West Ham. We'll see how Trent's injury develops and, you know, obviously Van Dijk back from suspension. He wouldn't have played the Liverpool game for nearly a month. So, um, yeah, he's got a little bit of a chance now to, yeah. you know, like you were saying there, you know, about Henderson showing Klopp what he can do. It's a chance yeah. for Gomez to show what he can do because normally when he's starting the games in the last two years, mm. he's looking at it thinking, well, this is only a cup game. Yeah. Van Dijk shouldn't be back in the weekend or whatever. But I think 
he can possibly look at the next two or three and think just carrying on what he did at Villa and then maybe give the manager a little bit more of a decision to make. Yeah. I think um, if he can get anywhere near those levels of, of three years ago, I think the Bull have got a, a top yeah. defender on their hands and that's a, whether that's at right-back or centre-back, it's uh, only going to be beneficial. Just yeah. jumping in on this one. Was, um, when Doyley spoke to him last pre-season, the quote that still were, sticks with me is, I'm younger than Virgil van Dijk was when he joined this club. And look what he's gone on to achieve yeah. since. So Gomez has still got a good few years left in him at level before you think he has to decline. Maybe he is that sort of player that needs a run of games and he can get it now. But I think just take it a step at a time. If he finishes the season ahead of Joel Matip in the pecking order, that, that's the minimum. That's what everyone wants. Yeah. Matip is not the future of a football club. He will probably go at the end of his contract. You want Gomez to be ahead of him there. But then you look at Canate's injury record you think, well, there are going to be more opportunities for you here. So if you stay fit, you are getting in the chance in the yeah. team to start in your preferred position. And while I think it's a bit premature how Dutch media has been wrapped into Van Dijk recently saying he's <laughs> over the hill, like he seems to have been really decent in pre-season. And yeah, he's had a red card and it seems over the top. But he's still 32, isn't he? He's not going to yeah. get any younger. He's a player who's out of contract in a couple of years. So at some point, you're having the same conversation about him that we've been having about Jordan Henderson. And then well, you've got that starting opportunity there. You know Liverpool want to sign a centre-back, but if you have a good season, don't make any mistakes. Just be there quietly chipping away, getting those opportunities and making the most of them. And staying fit. And staying fit. Yeah. Then you're giving Klopp a difficult decision to make. You could be in that team. Um, Van Dijk said himself, two, three, I think it was two years ago, maybe on the Christmas visits, yeah, I'm great, blah, 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 to some young fan that Canate and Gomez will replace me one day. To potentially the end of this season we could be a lot closer to that day just depending on how the season goes but take it a game at a time because we've had this moment before with Joe Gomez we think he's getting back to his best and then he's one injury away from we're not going to see him for three months and he's back to square one perhaps it's more make than it is break for him then but it does mm. feel like an opportunity for him over the next 12 months and um, it's been a promising start um, just quickly on Darwin Nunes quite good news on him you know it's another one with a bit of momentum in it Klopp seemed to dismiss any injury fears. I think Marcel, some Marcel Obielsa had said that um, he had a muscle problem, but Klopp had seemingly spoke to, to Uruguay. And yeah, was it's, it's a strange one, wasn't it? Because when they were saying that he'd had the, the muscle problems, it was like you played him anyway. Like you yeah, played him yeah. the night before and then you gave him 45 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And So obviously it wasn't that bad an injury. Yeah. They just didn't want to do it too much. Perhaps something lost in translation. Maybe. Maybe. Tiredness or something rather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was something there. But like, He's gone through it okay. They took him off at half time. If there was something you'd like to think they caught it early, yeah. I think we're probably a bit more worried about it because Darwin Nunes had a lot of niggling injuries yeah. last year. Yeah. There was um, one that kept him out, was it Forrest away? There were a couple of games where he missed out and then he was out towards the end of the season as well. So I think I remember Klopp having a moan at that at one point saying he needs to be fit. That might have been around the Forrest game. Yeah. So I think, well, you've got a couple of goals, you've got a couple of assists and done well on international duty. You need him to. That's running the team as well to build on the momentum up, um, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't start him tomorrow anyway, just because of the distance. Can't ruin the end. I'm not going to ruin the end here. But like, as we've um, been speaking about coming back from South yeah. America, and that this is another player to consider. But then it's good that they've got all these options. You just want to see um, them having everyone fully fit because mm. we're now in the midfield state where Thiago's the only one who's not back. All five forwards are fully fit. When um, Van Dijk's back from his suspension, you've got all your centre-backs. You just need Trent back and you're pretty much there. And this is not something we've been able to say since 
are actually going for the quadruple we were saying for the first time edit this bit out (laughs) but yeah it looks like uh, so far at the moment it's all right for Darwin Nunes yeah yeah of course the Wolves last season was um, one of two I think along with Man City we discussed but but Wolves and Brighton probably two of the lowest points of the season yeah second half of Brentford as well yeah Yeah. I mean was getting mixed up today wasn't he he was after so many games yeah but I mean I mean, there's still a bit of, for me, trepidation going to Wolves. I don't know why I've got it in my head. I think they won there in the previous visits, but I've got it in my head it's quite a tough place to go. So it'll be a, it'll be a test of Liverpool's metal. There's some psychological hurdles to get over. The 12.30, of course, is another thing that, that Jürgen yeah. isn't yeah. a huge fan of as well. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I see Wolves on team on paper and I think, he's good, he's good, he's good. I like him. He's a decent player. And then they always seem to be struggling further mm. down the league. I don't know whether that's just me being a poor judge of a player or, or what, but they seem to create good opportunities and can't finish them off. I watched them against United a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football and they were excellent. Didn't deserve to lose, probably deserved to win. They robbed of an mm-hmm. absolute stonewall penalty. They obviously beat Everton in a game that was being billed weirdly as a, already as a kind of relegation. But then Everton were better than... And they got beat by Everton. So I thought, you know, I think a lot of people went into that game thinking Wolves would be that they'd build on the United game and be good. But then, um, sorry, they beat Everton, didn't they? But yeah. Everton were better than them as well. Yeah. So it's um, it's a difficult one to judge. Um, I think ultimately if Liverpool are serious about keeping up this momentum and the feel-good factor that's seemingly around the place at the moment, it's a difficult one because it's 12.30 and, you know, I, I was there at Nottingham Forest last season for the 12.30 and Liverpool were absolutely desperate and yeah. got beaten. You're coming away thinking, what's going on here? But I think Liverpool have got to um, show up and just take another big three points and, and come away. And then, and then you're looking ahead just to more kind of momentum and, and um, buoyancy. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we pick our team and make our predictions, it feels like Liverpool have got over some psychological hurdles so far this season in terms of, you know, tests of their character, Theo, and tests of perhaps whether that was a team they went to Stamford Bridge, tough game. Mm. They went and played a rival in Newcastle, were behind 10 men. All right, Bournemouth at home, they'd won handsomely last season, but again, they came over the, t- the 10 men hurdle. And then a challenger like Aston Villa, who people were tipping for big things, Liverpool turned them over with relative ease. The twelve thirty. I mean, the probably the next one is like a, a Man City away. But the twelve thirty team like Wolves feels another another test of Liverpool's credentials. And if they can win this, I f- I would feel even more confident about this new team. Is that that fair to say? Yeah, it feels like they're slowly piecing back all the the pieces of yeah. the puzzle, aren't they? Yeah. Going, this is what we had when we were going for titles. We sort of all dropped it all last year. Yeah. Let, let's see what we've got now and to get the full picture. Um, it, it's it's a tricky one because of those experiences last year where they didn't win any of the twelve thirty kickoffs. Yeah. You, you're so daunted by this prospect, yeah. thinking, they're <laughs> going to come unstuck. But then they were really poor away from home from for most of last season as well. I think they only won six in the Premier League, and three of them would have been in the final few weeks of the season yeah. when they were going like Leeds, yeah. Leicester, West Ham. I think it's the three. Uh, Gorsty would have been at them, so maybe you can pipe in if I've got anything wrong there. Uh, Forest, City. They lost the Forest. Yeah. Well, you remember it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just the twelfth. Just naming teams. Oh, oh no, the twelfth. No, I was going for the, the away wins. Just the away oh, wins. The away win. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, come back to me in a minute. Go so, so yeah, they, they were just as bad then. Got a young 
baby at home Theo is, is mind he's still trying to think of his favourite clock moments from the other <laughs> days <laughs> most but, bizarre moments still racking my brain yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh, it was a tough one for Liverpool both away from home and in the, the 12.30s so that all builds up but if you it's a new look Liverpool like, as we've been saying for a few weeks now on these podcasts and Klopp's been saying for a few weeks now on these press conferences is waiting to see how far we can go what the ceiling is for the side yeah. so maybe we can be positive because the midfield is so different now like we're going to see Sabosai again, potentially McAllister again, Gravenberch can make a debut. The front five, doesn't matter which of the three are starting, they're as exciting as ever. Players that looked so wrecked last year, devoid of any confidence, lost all form, they're suddenly part of the picture again, yeah. whether it's a, a Joe Gomez or Trent to a completely different side of it. It's just, like like you say, you need to overcome that that next hurdle. That was This is why Liverpool came unstuck last year. So, the beaten Newcastle, that's, that's one. That's a team that finished yeah. above us on the table. They got what was it? They beat Villa quite comfortably when it was a side that drew with last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea yeah, could have done with winning that one to give us a few more points on the board to give us a bit of more of a lift. But, but even so, any time Liverpool goes to Stamford Bridge is a difficult. It's always game. tough, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, especially open day. But yeah, if you can go and get a result at Wolves in that tricky lunchtime kickoff where three, four players have been the other side of the planet yeah. at the very least and got the fatigue and everything, then it's like oh, we can go again. Then you are playing West Ham this run of games before the next international break you're going away to Tottenham you're going away to Brighton and well they've got a good record at Tottenham we all know what happened at Brighton last year yeah. as well that is a game we align with that Wolves away game yeah. so in a month's time next international break we'll, we'll really know where Liverpool are like how strong they are again how well they've pieced it all back together yeah okay well let's pick our teams Gorsi um, Alison Becker obviously coming back from a long trip although he didn't play um, does he just start and goal yeah it's um I mean, there's not many options, is there, for the defence? I think Gomez has got to start at right-back. Robertson on the left, and then Canate should be OK. He's trained this week, hasn't he, and um, put him next to John Matip. Yeah. Theo, any arguments with that? No, I'd go for the same thing. Um, they're going to have to be flexible formation-wise if they're sticking with the inverted setup. He, he, he hinted, though, didn't he, today? that they did Because they, they sort of were a little bit more conservative against Villa in terms mm-hmm. of... Yeah, letting Trent yeah. move around. He, he sort of dropped a bit deeper, didn't he? But he but he hinted, didn't he, that they probably wouldn't go that way. Yeah, because against Villa, it was more he was just swapping with Matip, wasn't yeah, he, and being yeah. a centre back. And then against was it Bournemouth, where he just stayed out wide a little bit more. Yeah. So they're going to have to be fluid with it. Like the only player in the squad who has actually played as an inverted fullback who's available is Simakas, and it, it would be a surprise to see him potentially come in the starting eleven when you've got a couple of games that you can play later in the week, yeah. later in the month, anyway. So you go for the four Gorsty seven. If it has to be more traditional back four, so be it. Like Gomez has done well at right back in the past. Uh, Matip looks to have taken a step in the right direction. Maybe there is a little bit of concern over Canate's injury record in the past. But if he's had two training sessions, you'd like to think he's ready. And Robson got an assist midweek, didn't he? Even if he gave away a goal as well. Yeah, and, and upset Harry Maguire's mum. Um, <laughs> pick your midfield. Midfield. Oh, oh, I don't know why I'm thinking about this because I've been saying all day what it's going to be. Uh, Endo's going to start as the holding midfielder. Like, is like, this a prediction or, or Theo's? This is mine. This is what I've done. Theo's 11, yeah. Because um, and it, it, it seems like he did quite well for Japan over yeah, the international yeah. break, absolutely battering Germany. Mm. And they played in Germany and Belgium, so he's not had that far to travel. Mm-hmm. Good opportunity to get him some starting minutes, and it's a bit easier for him than McAllister when he's been in the mountains only a couple of days yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Jones, have you ever been to Movama? 
Is that where Tonka is going for his little South American trip? The Movama? Yeah. No, that's in North Wales. The, oh, um, the Great Orm. I thought you were going You haven't lived you... in Liverpool long enough to no, enjoy those you, days. You did a South American trip. I thought you were going I've never been South America. Which one did you do a few years ago then? South America. Oh, you did South Africa? No? no. Not been to any of these places to. Maybe I'm getting you mixed up with my former boss. I think it is actually it was my former yeah, boss. Yeah, just we all, we all melt into one. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, anyway, Endo. Curtis Jones is on the left because he's not played in the international break. He's, so yeah. he's had a few training sessions. He did well against Villa. And then Sebastian on the right. Thanks, Rich. Um, <laughs> your midfield. Your midfield. Got to take the men mountain in midfield. Yeah, um, yeah I, th- I agree with Jones. I think think he will start. And I think I just think you've got to keep Zabar's lying there just oh, because he's, yeah. he's you know you want to see him. I, yeah. know, I, I certainly do. He's been, he's been great. And then the holding role. I mean, McAllister Klopp really did stress today that twice two different occasions that you know playing in Bolivia and then arriving back late into the week is probably not conducive to a twelve thirty kickoff. So maybe he'll be kicking his heels on the bench. Uh, yeah, I think it could be an opportunity for. What's our endo to come in or endo yeah. to come in and um, patrol the midfield? I think McAllister just starts this. Mm. I always think they make a lot of these like, oh my god, he only returned home at whatever. But yeah. I just think they get him some kip, they get a bit of decent food done and bit of training, and he plays. I, I, I could be wrong. I, I get the feeling that endo might be one of those players that we start to see more of towards November time um, just because of the specific specific role that he plays in and yeah, then, yeah. yeah I feel like Klopp didn't really want to throw him straight in but had to for At Newcastle yeah for reasons but now I think he, he might be able to ease him in and get his Jones and and, and, and some Bosley I, think I mean start. there's a case for Elliot as well uh, of course he's played very well in every yeah. in every substitute appearance I mean but the, the only thing I could see is, is him playing in, instead of Zabozlai and just not ready to, to drop Dominic at the no, moment. No, no, no. Don't, sorry, Harv, but um, yeah, it'd be a struggle to get in the team when, when he's playing so well. You're front three, Dorsey? Yeah, I, I, th- I thought about putting Gakpo in the field, actually, but um, I think he might lead the line with Giotta on the left. I think he might give Diaz a rest, given that he was playing for Colombia, wasn't he? And Giotta scored a couple against Luxembourg, so yeah. put him on the left and then obviously... Moksala out on the right. I'm going for the same trio. Jota can get a few goals, hopefully, against his former club. It's old stomping ground. Gakpo got a couple for the Netherlands, didn't he, in the break mm. as well. So hopefully he can kick-start the season because he's, what, the only Liverpool forward yet to score for the club yeah. this year. Mm. And then it's just Salah starts on the right, doesn't he? If he's available for, I'm not going to say the big games, but the Premier League games. Yeah. If you're going to rest Salah, you rest him yeah. for that Europa trip instead. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of them. I, I, I am sorely tempted if he's fit. Um, it sounds that way to start Nunes and just keep his momentum going you know I feel like he's the sort of player that needs to just keep being built up and obviously he got a couple of assists he got the he got the, the assists against Villa and the goal against Newcastle I would just like to see him keep playing whether well, that's possible be what, there's going to be at least two changes you'd imagine yeah. from the front three it starts the weekend yeah. Thursday then again for the yeah. weekend and then yeah. again for uh, Leicester yeah. in the cup so all five of them you can throw Doak and Elliot in here if you want to make it a seven they're going to play, aren't they, yeah. in the next couple of weeks? So they're going to be chances for them to start games and get goals. Yeah. Okay, we'll finish off with our predictions, Theo. Start with um, you. Let's go for 3 1 Liverpool. Confidence? Oh, I'm not that confident. I think Liverpool will, will nudge it 1 0. Yeah, I think a, I think a 1 0 um, feels about about right. You know, I, th- I think it could be nervy. Yeah. I think it could be nervy. Yeah, I think yeah. there could be some hairy moments and some. I don't think it would be like a five-star Liverpool performance, no. but I don't care. I think I think they just need to go and, 
and get over this hurdle and win. So, um, yeah, let's hope they do that. Liverpool in action at 12.30 tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday to react to that game and um, look ahead to the Europa League game, which starts next week. And then things start to get very busy after that. So we'll see, the, see you then. ta You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 